talk on desire again um, um, this evening and I've, I've called the message tonight um, my desire for you and tonight really what I'm going to look at God's desire tonight one is because you see God has desires we're made in his image and likeness and so that's where we get all of that ability from and the ability to desire and to desire things and um, and to desire the call of God upon our life and all of those things doesn't matter not natural things that God puts in you as well spiritual things gifts the the callings of God upon your life you know all of those things things that we desire all of that comes from him because God put that on the inside of us and give us the ability to desire. But tonight, what I want to look at tonight, I want to look at God's desires. And I want to see God's desires for us. And it's important to go to the Word and see this because many times in religion, people paint pictures of God, His desires for us. It's nearly like that He's out to get you. Like He's, he's cruel and all of those kind of things. But I tell you, God has a good plan for your life. And He's got a good plan for my life. He's got a good plan for your kids' lives, your grandchildren's lives. Amen. He's just, he's just a good God. That's right. Amen. And so that's what I'm going to get into this evening and just look, at, look along these, these lines um, tonight. But I, I want to show just first of all, you know, like um, just God's desire, just, just what he says about his desire towards us and stuff like that. But you know, do you ever see these here um, celebrity um, relationships and all now? They're everywhere. And you know what? Many of them don't last a crack. Some of them don't last, you know, a month. Some six weeks. And you know what it is? Is because in those relationships, many times what people are doing is they get into relationships because they're, they're trying to batter themselves at that moment or something like that. Um, or someone ha has something that they can advance them. Or it's all to do with image. It's all to do with, you know, how that person could help me. I'd have a celebrity relationship and stuff like that. And it's a real bad foundation for relationships. You know, I, I, um, you have this whole thing on TV at the minute. Um, I don't really know much about it, like, but I know enough to know that it's not, it's not good. Like, you know, as in how they set out to have relationships and all. Um, Love Island. I don't really know much about it, but, you know, uh, it's not God's way of having a relationship anyway, let me put it that way. And those relationships don't last a crack. You'll have people, you know, have a relationship while they're there in that environment or whatever, and they won't even last the series. They'll have, I don't know how many relationships during the series. And it's all because it's just that image-driven thing. Um, it's what can I get out of you? But you know what? It's amazing with God. He is completely different. Because God's not what I can get out of you. God's looking to pour into you. And it's a completely different motivation. In actual fact, we've absolutely nothing to bring to him. Okay? And if you put it this way, we say we do have stuff to bring. But I'm saying in and of ourselves. Anything that we have to bring to him, he gave it to us in the first place. If you look at it, what is he getting out of this relationship? But, but he wants this relationship. And I want you to see it. He's not after what you can give him. He's after you. He's after you. And again, there's many people that, you know what, they'll, they'll endeavor to serve God with their life and all. And you know what, but it's all, it's all them giving, them giving. They think there's something to give to God. When in actual fact, it's God, God's not after what you can bring to him first and foremost. God's after you, the person. God loves you. God just loves spending time with you. He loves it when you open up your mouth and say, God, I love you today. He loves that. See, sometimes people think, you know what, God's looking them to, to bring a big massive offering or something. And I know that's all great for the move of God. It advances the kingdom, all of those things. Um, but I tell you, what God is looking for, he's looking for you. He loves you. He loves hearing your voice. 
No matter how bad it is, you know what I mean? He loves hearing you sing, no matter how bad it is. Because there's no one can sound like you in his ears. There's no one when you speak. It's like, you know, if you have, if you have many kids, all of them kids all bring, bring something to you in that aspect as in you, them the person. Okay, it's not, you're not interested per se, you know, in the things. You're interested in them. And you know what, they can all say things, their personalities in a way that touches your heart. It's the same with God. You're special to him. You know, he just absolutely loves you. I was thinking today about, you know, that, that film, um, Annie. And, um, you know, you look at that film, Annie, and you know what, you had the, the two parents there that, you know what, she, she ends up in an orphanage. But they, those two parents, like, you know, they, they, they leave. And she ends up an orphan. Okay, but then you have um, the big um, billionaire guy who, who ends up taking her in. And you know what? He just falls for her. And he loves her. Okay? He loves her. It's just her. She has absolutely nothing to offer him apart from herself. Okay? It's her he falls in love with. He has everything. But he falls in love with her. And then he gets to pour out everything he has on her. Okay? That's a real picture of, of Christianity. Because you see, our parents in the garden made us orphans. But thank God we have a heavenly father who loves us. And he came looking for us. What did we got to eat? Just look at your life. What did you got to give him? Absolutely nothing. The Bible says we had ashes to give to him. We had nothing to give ashes as something that's already been used up. It's the waste of it. It's the stuff you chuck in the bin. But yet God's seen value in us. Because we're, we, we, we were not valuable, but we were valuable to him. Your value is determined by the price that's paid for you. And you are valuable to him. And that boggles my head to this day. To think that God loves me. And he came looking for me. And Because I, I look at me and I go, I'm me. And you know you better than you know anybody else. And you know your weaknesses. And you know your inadequacies. And you, you know your insecurities and all of those things. But you see, you have to see that God loves you. And that relationship has to be kept really, um, re really precious in your life. Because you'll get into a works if the relationship is not what's priority in your life. And that's why God loves you no matter what. God loves you. God loves you when you're on top of the world. God loves you when you're not on top of the world. God loves you when things are going great. He loves you when they're not going great. He loves you at all times. And he loves you. Boys, that's, that's so special. Amen. It's so special. Look at this verse here. Um, and um, Songs of Solomon. And we know Songs of Solomon, you know, is about the lover pursuing the love of his life. And if you read this here portion of scripture here in chapter 7 here, he's just after describing her. And I mean, when he describes her, he describes her all this poetic language. You know, when you think, how would that even um, speak to anybody talking like that? But that was the language of the day. Um, it's just like saying, I love you, your hair is beautiful, but they, he'll say it in a different type of way. Um, but you know what, he describes her basically in, in depth because he's, he's been looking at her, he knows her. And really he loves her. But and it's a picture of how much Jesus loves us. But look what it says here, I am my beloved's. And look at this, his desire is towards who? Me. See, his desire is not, he's not saying this is my beloved and my desire is towards our dad's company. This is my beloved, and boy, she drives a lovely car. This is my beloved, boy, she, a beloved, she has a great bank balance. 
That's not, that's not, it's not what he said. It's not things. It's not this is my, my beloved and, and she's got high education. It's not what he's saying. This is my beloved and my desire is towards her. Okay? And you can say it about you. My, I am my beloved's and, and his desire is towards me. See, it's personal. I'm, I'm my beloved's. I belong to him. See, God's not saying you belong to me because of what you can do for me. God's saying you belong for me because I went and pursued you. I got you. I love you. You're mine. I died for you. Paid the price for you. And he's saying, I love you. Amen. Why is he loves us? See, sometimes, sometimes as, as a believer, uh, many times, even serving God and stuff, you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Sometimes you can feel him doing well at all, or as, you know, you can look around you and think, oh, God must love them more than he loves me and all. No, he loves, he loves you. He loves you. It's you that he came for, not your stuff. That's why even David, when David offered the building of the temple, he said, God, we're only giving you what you first of all give to us. Amen. See, it's, it's, it's a love relationship. Um, Psalms, I'll just call this out, Psalms 149 and verse 4. It says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his, in his people. Amen. He takes pleasure in his people. Look what it says here, Revelations um, 4 and verse 9. It says, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for your pleasure, for thy pleasure, they are and they were created. Amen? You're created for God. You are created. You, you bring him pleasure, in other words. And so, sometimes we, we can be we can be very hard on ourselves. But I thank God we're in the dispensation of grace. We as believers should understand, you know what, more than anybody, the grace that he's extended towards us. What he's done for, what he's done for us. What we had to offer, nothing. How did he receive us? The Bible says he died for the ungodly. Now we qualified. Amen. To qualify for grace, you had to be ungodly. Qualified. No problem. That was easy. Okay. And then we get saved and, you know, we realize it was all about him. And then after a while, we think it's all about what we do. It's never been about what we do. It has always been about what he has done. And anything we do is because he first of all gave it to us. It was his good pleasure, the Bible says, to, to put in you first. You only work out what he first of all worked in. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it tells you work out what he first of all worked in. And what he worked in was according to his good pleasure. You know, you're only giving him back what he first of all put in you. Amen. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful relationship. And, and you know, we, we make it so hard sometimes. But yet whenever God made Adam, what was it about? It was about walking in the cool of the day with him. Enjoying him. God enjoying his man. And I'm telling you, God loves his creation. God loves us. And, and someday the, we're, the Bible says that we're going to be together again when that new Jerusalem comes down. And you know, God's going to come and dwell with us 
and us with him forever and forever and forever. And what's it all about? It's been always about relationship. God's more interested in you than what you do for him. And you see, if you get that right, you'll do more for him than you've ever done. Because you've been to the petrol station, so to speak, and allow him to just pour his love on you and pour his love on you and pour his love on you. And when you receive love, what do you want to do? You want to give love. So you can only give what you first of all received. And it's so important to know that, you know, I'm my beloved. And his desire is towards me. Amen? I, I know, I'm just being honest. For me, sometimes I can be very hard on myself. I'm my own worst critic, like most people. And I can be very hard at times on myself. And do you know what the answer to it is for me many times? It's just, it's just closing. For me, because I like studying a lot. Sometimes for me it's just closing the books. And just going and just praying. Closing the books. And just going and just sticking the guitar on. And singing a couple of songs. And getting away from, from what I'm doing. And get back to the relationship. And then it's more enjoyable what you do. Amen. Amen. It's more enjoyable. I'm just saying he loves you tonight absolutely loves you amen look look here and again i'm looking at god's pleasures tonight and just showing that that god has pleasures for us okay god and it's and we're going to look at what 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 delights god okay well you delight god okay you delight him now look at some other things here but you know what it all comes down to what he's done for us because he loves us Look, look at this verse here, Psalms under, or Psalm 16, verse 11. We quote this many times and talk about this, you know, like for worship and stuff like that. But look what it says, thou wilt, thou wilt show me paths of life. And it says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Fullness of joy. Heaven's not going to be born. Amen. It's not going to be born. Do you know what? You can see um, the, the delight of the, the football fans, not the German fans at the minute, like, but you know, the, the, the Korean fans last night, you know, you could see the joy. You know, you could see the joy in the Argentina supporters the other night. You know, just the weight of the world on like massive shoulders. And, you know, you see those two goals the other night. Boy, what joy. I mean, Tyler, he's a big, massive fan. He's running around the house like crazy. He actually took his top off. Was running down the street. <laughs> he was that excited. So he was because, you know, just, just, he just loves, just, just loves that. But, you know, in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. Have you ever laughed so much that it actually your head just feels like it's just going to explode with uh, excitement? Do you, know, do you know what always gets me like that? Do you see if, if there's um, an unexpected thing that's funny? And, and if I start laughing at that moment, it's like you're not expecting it, so there's no build-up. It's just like bang. And I can feel in my head like things rushing and everything. And I just laugh and it's like... <laughs> Because it comes from here up. It's like, it's not just joy. It's like, you know, real. It's like fullness of joy kind of a thing. I remember we were in the cinema one night and, uh, one night and there was a film. And it wasn't really funny and it wasn't really, really funny the whole way through the film. I can't remember everything in it. But I remember there was one point in the film that took me by surprise. And I thought, I honestly thought I was going to pass out. Because I couldn't get a breath with laughing. But you know, in God's presence... 
There's fullness of joy. And I know we experience that to a degree here. Because we've joy in our spirit. And you know, you know, it's not always ha ha ha. But it's a confident joy of, boy, you could laugh in the face of anything. Because it's like, it doesn't matter. Everything's alright. Have you ever been there with that? Just, it's, not a, it's not a feeling laugh as in, you know, laughing. But then there's times when you do laugh like that where it just comes from your spirit up. I've seen me look in the face of things and laugh. And I mean, it's been the worst situations. But there's a joy on the inside. It's a confidence of knowing everything's alright. God, you're looking after me. What is that? That's the kingdom we belong to. Amen. There's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, what's it saying? But you know what? In, in God's presence, there's, there's, there's fullness of joy. I know what I was thinking. I was thinking because I remember when I was a child, <coughs> Taylor's age, I remember asking Samuel. Because I was always asking questions about God. And I remember asking Samuel and saying, what's heaven going to be like? Because I couldn't picture heaven being a happy place. Because like, a lot of the religious stuff that I was around wasn't happy. It was somber. And I couldn't imagine, like, you know, how can God go from, you know, being boring and dry and, and you, know, you know, just no joy. I'm not saying, the people were the best people in the world. Not criticizing anybody. But I'm just saying my experience, there wasn't, like, this joy unspeakable and full of glory. But I can remember asking Samuel, what's heaven going to be like? And, and he said to me, you know, who do you support? And of course, like Manchester United, like, you know. And um, he said, what do you like when Manchester United score like a winning goal, especially in a cup final or something? Like, it was very rare then, like, but it, it did improve as, as I got older. But I can remember, like, um, when I was a wee lad and Norman Whiteside scoring the goal in the FA Cup. And I used to watch the FA Cup final with my shorts on and my socks on and a flag and a hat and a scarf and everything. And I'd be sitting there right in front of the TV and I'd be screaming the house down. And if I lost, I'd be depressed for a week, you know, as a child. Like. But I know that feeling of when a goal goes in and you just take off the excitement of that. And I remember Samuel saying to me that heaven, see that moment, that, that joy that you have. He says, heaven's going to be like that. It's only about Tyler's age, but I've never forgot that. Because it gave me a, a glimpse of heaven that I couldn't see based on religion. But it gave me an expectancy that heaven's going to be great. Anyway, in his presence is fullness of joy. But here's the part what I want to look at. At thy right hand there is what? Pleasures forevermore. At his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. I'll tell you, once you receive Jesus, there's God's pleasure is towards you. And you'll experience a certain amount of that here. But I'm telling you, in eternity, he is going to dump his pleasure on you. Amen? Literally just pour it out on you. Because there's not going to be the restriction of us with our limited understanding of God and you know doubt and unbelief and an enemy that's coming against us and all of that kind of stuff I'm telling you we're going to see him for who he is and we're going to experience his, 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 his abundance of grace the Bible says in Ephesians that in the ages to come he's going to show us the riches of his grace and his kindness towards us what's that going to be like now I, can, I, I love serving God every day and walking with him every day. But what is that going to be like in eternity when he just, without restriction, is just going to pour himself upon you forever and forever and forever? But here's the thing where is it? It's not his, well, his right hand. His right hand is his favorite hand. 
Amen. And it talks there about his right hand. And this is important when it comes to God's pleasures towards us. Because the reason we can experience God's pleasure is because, you see, Jesus is at the right hand. But who else is at the right hand? We are. Amen. We are. See, his, his pleasure is, and his favor, all of those things, it's at his right hand. That's his favored hand. Like in kings, that is their favorite hand. It's not, I'm left-handed, so I don't get offended at that, okay? Some people, oh, why are you left? Why are you? The right hand's the favorite hand in the Word of God, okay? That's the predominant hand. And at his right hand, there is pleasure. Amen? Do you know what? Like whenever the, the nations are separated in the book of Matthew, towards the end of it, do you know what? You have the goat nations there on the, there on the left hand. And then you have the, you know, the, 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 the sheep nations. They're on the, the right hand. Uh, thank God. Uh, you know, that's, that's a whole area there. But you know what? Thank God in Christ, we're already at his right hand. We are already at that favored hand. Amen? We're at the favored hand. Look, look at this here in Ephesians for a second. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. And, uh, you know, the book of Ephesians is like jumping into it. You don't want to jump into it because every part of it is brilliant. Yes. It's an amazing book. But this is talking about we were lost we were so lost, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Amen. See again, he loves you. And then it says, even when we were dead in sins, look at, the, look at the, these here, uh, phrases here, has quickened us together with Christ. Look at that, together. And you see us here, together with Christ. So we were quickened together with, with Christ by grace he has saved. He has raised us up, what? Together. And has made us sit together. Do you know why you're in him? Everything he gets, you get. Not because of you, but because you're in him. You see, what, what Je everything Jesus did, did was for us. He came, he died our death. He didn't need a death, we did. He died our death. He was buried for us. He was raised for us. That's why Romans 6 says you were buried with Christ, or you, you died in Christ, buried with Him, and raised with Him in newness of life. Okay? That's what it is here, is to gather with Him. Look at it, it says there that in the ages to come He might show the, the riches of His kindness. I actually quoted that a second ago, but He might show the, 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 the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness. Look at that again, towards us through Christ Jesus. The part being, I'm just putting out here, is it's because we are in Him. Okay? It's, it's because we're in Him. All of this stuff is going to be poured out on us. All of His grace. All of His love. Everything that He has. Just like that example of Annie that I was showing earlier. Everything, everything that God has. We're going to experience it. Now we'll experience it as much as we have faith for in this life. And put faith in His goodness. It's not about our faith per se. It's about putting faith in what He's already provided. Faith can only receive what he's first of all provided for us. Right. Amen. Faith is not a work, it's a, it receives. It receives from God. There is a work, all, all faith has an outworking of it. But you know, faith, faith, the work of faith is showing that you believe. That's what it is. You believe what God has provided. Amen. Just like Abraham, he believed and therefore he went up the mountain with Isaac. There was actions to his faith because he believed. Amen. I'll show you I believe. I'll show you my faith by my works. But your works don't give you faith. You have to have faith first. That's right. And then you act.
Okay? But where does that faith come from? You hear about how good he is. And when you hear about how good he is, well, you just start believing him. So as much as we have faith in this life and his grace, we'll experience lots and experience great times, mighty times. I believe in God, the best is yet to come. Amen. I believe the end time church, we are going to see some special things. We are going to see miracles that are just going to be awesome. Amen. The works of Jesus shall we do. Amen. But I'm just saying here, when you're in Christ, you're positioned for all of these things. Amen. Let me just say, I'm going to flick past all this, but I'm just showing here just for a second. I'll just call this out in passing. You see, what, what God wanted was an, an, uh, uh, wasn't offerings in the Old Testament. That's not what gave him pleasure. Okay, I'll just say this in passing because I'm going somewhere. But you know, sacrifices and offerings you didn't desire. In, in the book of um, Hebrews in chapter 10, it said they didn't bring God pleasure. Do you know why? Because they, they weren't sufficient. But I'm telling you, when Jesus died for us, it was sufficient. That's why it said, Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, okay? So, again here, it's just showing again, sacrifices, offerings, all of those things in the Old Testament didn't bring God pleasure. Why? Because none of them could put you at God's right hand. Not one of them. Okay? None of them could deal with sin. None of them could put you in a favoured position with God. Because they didn't have the power to take away a sin. That's why it says over there in the book of Hebrews, you know, if there would have been one offering or an offering that could have took away sin, we wouldn't have had a conscience of sin anymore. We wouldn't have to be sin conscious anymore. And for 1,500 years, there were sacrifices went on. You had the, the, the Day of Atonement every year. But then it says there were daily offerings that went on daily and the priests never sat down because they were never done offering because none of those sacrifices were good enough to please God, not one of them. They couldn't bring God pleasure. Why? Because none of those sacrifices could take away sin and bring us into relationship with God because that's really what God wanted. He wanted our relationship with Him again so that He could put us at His favoured hand so that He could pour His pleasure out upon us. that makes sense? But there was one offering for sin. For how long? Forever. That means you don't have to have daily offerings anymore. Some people are still dealing with sin every day and sin has been dealt with. Amen? It's a one-time offering for sin. Amen? One time. That's why it says if there was another offering that could have taken away a sin, well then there would be. But there is only one offering that takes away a sin, and that's Jesus. But the, the, the thing about that is it dealt with sin forever. We don't have to have daily sacrifices anymore. We don't have to have the Day of Atonement anymore. Why? Because one offering did it. And yet it's amazing so many Christians are still living around the sin issue instead of realizing that their sin's forgiven, get an identity, uh, of who, a new identity of who they are in Christ Jesus and start living out of that. Because as long as we live with sin in our mind and sin in our conscience, it's going to cripple us to a certain degree in our Christian walk. But the moment you realize how powerful his blood was to forgive sin forever, that you would have no conscience of sin. You don't have to live with sin on your conscience anymore. Amen? It's awesome. You know what? You can get on with your Christian life and enjoy serving God. Um, again, here, just this verse as well. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why did it please God to bruise him? Because um, that was the only sacrifice that could bring us into relationship with God. 
That was it. It wasn't that God was enjoying pleasing him. It was what it would accomplish. Or bruising him. It was what it would accomplish. It pleased the Lord for him to be bruised because it would bring us back into relationship. Why? Because Jesus was the one-time offering for sin forever. It, di it did the deal. Uh, the priest never sat down. There was never a seat in the tabernacle. But when Jesus offered his blood to the Father, he what? He sat down. That's why when you receive Jesus, you can sit down and not live with sin on your conscience anymore and know that it's done. Amen? You might have an accuser that will come and tell you everything and all the things that's wrong in your life, but you can say, no, I'm staying seated. I have one offering for sin forever. Amen? Now, praise God. Let me just look over here for, for a second. I'm just going to look at these couple of scriptures here and closing tonight. But this has to all to do with God's pleasure towards us. God's pleasure is towards you. Amen. Now sin messed a lot of that up in the garden. But thank God for Jesus. He came to put that relationship back on track. And there's pleasure at his right hand. But thank God we're at his right hand in Christ. Everything he did was for us. That's why we were quickened together. Raised together. We're seated Amen. At his right hand. We're positioned for favor. We're positioned for pleasure. But you have to take that position in Christ. That's why knowing who you are in Christ is so important. There's a lot of Christians who know who they are in Adam. As an Adam. In the the first Adam. But they don't know who they are in the last Adam. They don't know who they are in Christ. They, they, they know about, their, about sin and all of those kind of things. But they don't know about how, the, 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 how, about how the Jesus came to deliver us from sin. Now they know all the theory of it. But they're still taking the mindset of Adam. Amen. So the, when you're saved, you're in Christ. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. But you'll never enjoy, the, you'll never enjoy that relationship to its full, to its max with Adam's thinking. You have to start seeing yourself in Christ. That I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. But here in Ephesians chapter 1. All of this took place because we are in Christ. Chapter 1. It's an amazing portion. I'm just going to hit the tip of the iceberg tonight. But I encourage you to meditate in this chapter 1. But all of this is because we are in Christ. And do you know the amazing thing about this? This was all spoken and basically accomplished in the mind of God from before the foundations of the world. Ephesians chapter 1. And we say, how could that have happened, all of these things? How could I be blessed from before the foundations of the world? Well, you put it this way. You weren't there before the foundation of the world and neither was I. But who was? Jesus. Okay? Jesus was. And God had this wonderful plan. See, God knew that Adam would fall and all because God made man, man mess up. But God still loved man so much that he was willing to go all the way for his man. It's the price of making people with free will, but God wasn't looking for robots. You know what God's always been looking for? A family. He's not looking for, this is not a robot, okay? He's <laughs> not robots. He's not looking for, he's looking for, he's looking for a relationship. He's looking for uh, people that he can pour into them and they'll love him back. 
It's family, it's relationship. But here's the thing, we weren't there from before the foundation of the world, but Jesus was. And God, God has this plan, and basically what he's saying, I'm going to put all of this stuff in Christ. And when you get in Christ, this is all yours. That's basically what it's saying. See, that's why it's all in Christ. And you see all of this stuff? This has nothing got to do with us and how good we are. We weren't even there. We're not even part of this plan as in the, as in, as in the boardroom kind of thing. Coming up with a plan, sitting talking it out, all of that. We're none of this. We're just on the receiving end. And do you know how you get all of this good stuff? Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. You took my place. Thank you you died for someone like me. You love me so much that you came and died for me. You paid the price, you know, in that condition as a, a sinner in need of a Savior. I thank you. I, I surrender my life to you and I make you my Lord and Savior. Bang. You are crucified with him, buried with him, raised and seated with him. Do you know why? You get all of this, not because of how good you are, but because of who you got in. When you get in him, Everything that God said you would have because of Him, you get it. Amen. <laughs> that makes sense. And here's the good news in all of this it's because of His good pleasure. God didn't do this out of obligation, God did this out of love. Let me read this quick and we'll, we'll finish this evening. But it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll see all of this. It's always because of being in Christ, okay? Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places were in Christ. Nothing to do with us. We just got in Christ and we got blessed. And you're blessed with every spiritual blessing because you're in Christ. Amen? And you know what? You're blessed and blessed means empowered to prosper. You being empowered to prosper gives God pleasure. Amen. He takes pleasure in that. Amen. Now people can say all they want about prosperity. I've heard some stuff said about prosperity over the years. But I'm telling you what, I am not positioning myself for poverty. Poverty is a curse. There may be people that abuse things, misuse things. There's always going to be people that will run after things instead of running after Jesus. You run after Jesus, you get everything that he has. That's right. Amen. And God wants you to prosper. Amen. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and it adds no sorrow. I'm not ripping that out of my Bible, but I'm not money minded. I'm Jesus minded. Right. Amen. And when you're Jesus minded, you get what he has. The Bible tells us to follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you get what he has. You get what he has, just like Annie's, you know, dad in the film. Okay? The dad that loved her. The dad that took her on. He poured into her, okay? And God empowering you to prosper gives him pleasure. Amen. According as he is, look at this, chosen us in him before the foundations of the world. See, how could he do it? The only way he could do it was to do it in Christ. Okay? That we should be holy without blame before him in love. Amen. God choosing you. Giving you a call, a purpose, a destiny. God sees you holy. Now, not in you. Because you got in Christ. 
Because God, God, God see, when God sees you, He sees Jesus because you're in Him. Where's He looking? He looks at the heart. The real you. The spirit man. You're holy and blameless before Him. Not because of how good you are, your actions, but because you got in Christ. Amen? Choosing you, making you holy, without blame, in love, brings God pleasure. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Amen. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Look at this, and this is where I'm saying this. According to the good pleasure of his will. He didn't do this out of obligation. None of this is out of obligation. This is because he loves, he loves you. It's because you got in Christ. You're at his right hand where there's pleasure forevermore. This is some of the pleasure. He's predestinated your life. That means he has a plan for your life. Now, there's a lot of bad doctrine about that. But predestination just means God has a pre-designed plan for your life. He's a purpose for your life. In other words, that's what it's saying. He's a purpose for your life. You're in God's family with rights and privileges. And that brings him pleasure. It brings him pleasure to say that you're mine. That brings him pleasure. Amen? Amen. Look, I love this. The praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted were in the beloved. You're not accepted because of how good you are. You're not accepted because of what you have done. You're accepted because you're in the beloved. And the word accepted there, thank God for just being accepted. Everybody's looking for acceptance. I thank God that I'm accepted with God. But that word for accepted is only used one other time in the New Testament, that Greek word. And it's used when it says of Mary that she was highly favored. Do you know what? You are highly favored of God and it brings God pleasure to favor your life. Amen. Amen? Oh, God gets pleasure out of me living like, you know, like in a cardboard box. No, he doesn't. God gets pleasure with knowing that you are highly favored. Yes. Amen? That's where God gets pleasure. And God loves people no matter where they are, but God has dumped all of this. This is God's pleasure for us. We're going to enjoy all of this forever. Amen. And forever His face is shining towards us. And whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption means you're bought out of sin. Redemption means that you have been bought with a price. Redemption means that you're redeemed. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. Being redeemed from the curse of the law brings God pleasure. Amen. Amen. You just look at that curse. I'm not going to get into all that this evening. But you know what? Uh, the curse is poverty, sickness, all of those kind of things. I tell you, I, I've often said it. I've been very sick in my life. Sickness is not a blessing. Right. It's a curse. Right. It's an absolute curse from the pit of hell. But I thank God we've been redeemed from the curse. And that's, that's the favor of God upon our life. It's the pleasure of God upon our lives. Amen. To be redeemed. Wherein he has abounded towards us in, in all wisdom and prudence. That's God's wisdom. What he did. What he did in his wisdom towards us. Amen. This is massive. I'm just hitting. I'll maybe go back to this some other night. Later on in the year. Maybe and look at, look at this again. But. God's will was, the, was, was, as it goes on here, to talk about the church and the mystery. Boy, so, and that's a massive thing. God took people like us and saved us and filled us with the Holy Ghost. That was the mystery that God had in Christ. Make out a Jew and Gentile, one new man. That's right. And us, people that were defeated, people that failed in life, God 
devil takes the most weird people many times and fills them full of the Holy Ghost and they're going through mighty things. And do you know what it is? It's, it's, a, it's a trophy in saying, look how wise I am. Then I can take the rejects of this world and I can make them champions and go and do mighty things. I can take a failure and make a success out of them. I can take someone that's broke and make them a multi-millionaire. Amen. For my glory. And no one will say they did it because I can take people who can't do it. God will call you to do something that you can't do. Because if you can do it, you can get the glory. He'll cause you to do something that people look in amazement and say, I can't believe it's them. And you know what that is? It's a display of God's wisdom. And you know what it is? That gives God pleasure. Do you see someone being used mightily of God? Do you know what God, God it's like as if he's going, yes! Boys, that does my heart good. Look at them. And it shows, to the, the Bible says it shows to the principalities and powers where Satan tried to overthrow God and all of this kind of thing. God said, look at the person that I'm using to give me glory. You thought it was all about you. And look at that person that was uh, living in a dump and, you know, uh, eating, eating out of bins. And look at where they are today because they, got, they received Jesus. They got on my right hand and look at what I can do through a failure and through a reject in your kingdom. Look what I can do in their life. And God just sitting going, that gives me pleasure. God gets pleasure out of your life when you rule and reign. God gets pleasure out of your life when you go and do what he's called you to do. And everybody's wrote you off. But I'm telling you, you're positioned for favor. Amen. You're positioned for favor. Goes on there, talk about we have an inheritance. Amen. And all of those things. Look at that verse here. Fear not, little children, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you all the kingdom. You know what the kingdom is? It's, it's all of the benefits of being in God's kingdom. You're not in the kingdom of this world. You're not in the kingdom of darkness. You're in his kingdom tonight. You're just like the children of Israel. They were in Goshen. Everybody else was in Egypt. But you're, they were in Goshen. They didn't suffer the plagues and suffer all of them things because of where they were positioned. Well, you're positioned at his right hand. Amen. You're in his kingdom tonight. You're blessed. Religion, many times, will tell you, this will bring God pleasure in your life. You've beaten yourself with sticks and starving yourself and crawling, you know, Several miles on your, on, on your hands and knees through broken glass. And then that'll give God pleasure because he'll really see your heart. No, his desire is towards me. His desire is towards you. What gives him pleasure? What brought him pleasure was Jesus being accepted that offering because that allowed us to get in that favored position through Christ so that God could show us his pleasure, redeem us, give us an inheritance, Give us the kingdom. Jesus manifested the kingdom. And it set people free. Amen. That's right. That's a, that's a tip of the iceberg. But I want you to know that God gets pleasure in and through your life tonight. Amen. Praise God. As we, as we position ourselves in him. Amen. Praise God. I love that. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Thank God that we have kingdom principles that we can live by. Amen. So praise God. I'm not going to keep us any longer this evening.